You're listening to Your Two Cents, the podcast, made possible by Credit Unions of Atlantic Canada. Today, Sylvia sits down to talk to HGTV's Tiffany Pratt. Tiffany's made her mark by transforming people's homes into beautiful reflections of who they are, but her real key to success? Not blowing the budget. Tiffany shares her tips and tricks on how to style a home within your means. I'm so thrilled to talk to you today. You've been on Your Two Cents before. You are such an incredible designer, DIYer, inspiration, but you do it all on a budget, and I'm so excited to talk to you about all of that stuff today. Well, you're speaking to my heart because, as you know, uh, design is one thing, but doing it in an affordable way where everyone feels like a beautiful life is accessible to them is my love language. Let's make it rain love here on this podcast. I love it. That's the perfect segue into my first question for you. What is your design motto? I don't have a motto per se, but I would enlighten anyone that's listening to follow their heart and do what they love and love what they love without anyone telling you that something's not cool or out of style or off trend, that wherever you live and whatever you do is perfect and just as it should be. And you should fill your space in your life with things that bring you joy and make you happy every single time you walk through the door. I love that. And I think we're so accustomed to scrolling through a feed or looking at Pinterest and trying to match all the things that other people are doing. And sometimes you just love something without rhyme or reason. And why can't that bring you joy? Well, everyone's spaces were, were so conditioned as human beings to live a certain way and have our homes look a certain way. We can't help it based off of what's happening with magazines and social media. I'm a huge, huge proponent for looking at the shape of whatever object it is and thinking of multiple uses for what that one thing could be living outside the box. Like, are we putting the ping pong table in the dining room instead? We're living our life the way we choose it. It doesn't have to look like a proper living room. It doesn't have to look like a proper kitchen. If it functions the way that you need to for your life, it's perfect. And that's where I think it's, it's important to stop looking at magazines for what everyone else is doing and start looking around your home for things you already have that you could re-love because so often we've made incredible decisions or we're surrounded by beautiful things and we need to re-look at them and understand that maybe if it's in a new room or if it's painted a new color or if we put a new surface on it, magically, not only does it have new life, but it has new purpose and we can reimagine a room around it and we're not spending a fortune, which is what it's all about really. Because if you think you're going to spend a fortune on design, you're likely not going to do it because there's so many incredible things to prioritize in one's life and to live a beautiful life and to have a beautiful home shouldn't be something that hinders you from doing all the things that you want to do. I love that. It's really a piece of the puzzle, not the entire thing. And to figure out the way to make it so is kind of what we're here to chat about today, really. So if you were going to give advice to someone looking to buy or rent a home, not necessarily from the financial side of actually affording to buy or rent a home, but what advice would you give them as they're looking to do either one of those things from a design standpoint? One thing that I always tell people that is not typical is wherever you want to buy or rent, picture yourself in that neighborhood. Where are you going grocery shopping? Where are you doing those everyday errands? Where are you parking your car? The day-to-day stuff is so often overlooked because we fall in love with four walls of a property and not necessarily the lifestyle that it's surrounded by. And outside of just really taking yourself through the day-to-day paces of where this space is, 
I always recommend to any one of my clients that they live in the space for anywhere between a month to three months before they hire anybody to help them understand how to reimagine the space. Because you can't just start building and redesigning and decorating and investing in anything until you've had some time to decide, like, where do I want to hang my coats? How much storage do I really need in my closets? What's really happening in my kitchen? And that stuff takes time. And to live a beautiful life also means to live an organized life and to know where things go and where it properly needs to go after living there is essential because you can't just assume based off of what you've seen on social media or what you've seen in magazines, oh, well, this is the way a proper kitchen should function. Especially if you're living in different parts of the world, bigger cities, we have smaller spaces, but the same could happen in when you're living in a big country home. You know, there's lots of space to work with and it's ways to fill it properly without breaking the bank. Let the home reveal itself to you, both inside and out, so that it feels like a fit. So when you go to invest, not just financially, but emotionally, you know that it's the right decision. And they're tied together. I mean, if you go and invest financially before you know what you really need, you're making decisions that are going to impact you. If you make an emotional decision too quickly, it is going to impact you financially. You might have to buy something new or spend money on getting something customized to fit a space that you didn't get to know well enough. So I think that's a really important thing to note as well, too. And I think people are so pressured to go, oh my gosh, this room is empty. Let's fill it up right away. That's a big financial commitment. Buying furniture, furnishing a home is not an inexpensive endeavor. So why would you rush that? Well, rushing is always just to hurry up and start living the way that you think that you should be living. When you take the pressure cooker off yourself to stop doing what you think you need to do, then what you really could be doing that's truly you reveals itself. And so often this is what inspires me as a designer. I can design myself out of a paper bag. Picking colors and making something beautiful is not the trick. The trick is to design a space that is truly reflective of the person, the family, the couple that lives there. And those decisions, those colors, those textures, those placements, that furniture, where it goes, all that is so personal. And that's why this really important mesh time with a space, a property, an apartment, a home is so, so, so important. Once you've done that, then the fun can begin. And always, 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 I tell people, you know, collect things off the street, go to thrift stores, check out your local uh, restore, hang out in your parents' basement, go to your grandma's house. There's always something that somebody has that they don't want anymore. And we can put it into play or you can put it into play in any space in your home with a little coat of paint or a fun reimagine. And that's very much how I've started my career was showing people in their existing homes and apartments just to mix master things differently, put things in a different room or do it differently than you've seen it. And that's what started to really propel my style message forward in the design world, which was not that we have to empty your house and paint it all white and make it look the same. Let's love the things we already have. I love that. And I think it's interesting because now we're all of a sudden seeing mid-century modern as all the rage. Well, when I go to my mom's house, she has rattan and the gold lamps and all these things that didn't actually look dated. She styled them beautifully in her home, but they are original to this sort of idea of time that people are going crazy about. You go on Facebook Marketplace and Kijiji and all these places. People are making a killing off mid-century modern. And my mom, I was like, I love that thing. She's like, want it? Take it. Like happy to pass along things that she's spent so much time loving that are in great shape that have a new life in them again that she's done with. And I think that's a really fun thing to do is that all of a sudden you're sort of handing things down generationally and the things that you have aren't just plucked from a store 
or they're connected to the heart some way. And I think that's really special. I love being able to look around a room and go, oh, we did that project together or that thing came from this place that means something. And maybe I'm a sentimental fool, but I just think that there's a nice mix. Yes, I have new things in my home, but I also have lots of beautiful things that have a lot of meaning behind them that were free in a lot of cases. Free is a magical word. Upcycling is a magical word. Reusing is a magical word. And the other thing I always think about, especially in design, and I know you know this, is the lack of waste when you do those things is just so incredible. Because right now there's, everyone knows about fast fashion and it exists in interior design. There's a lot of fast fashion in interior design. There's so much that happens when people tear things down to start brand new and so much waste occurs in our industry. So when you're looking at things and you're reusing them, you're also really, really contributing to a greener footprint in the world that we're living in. And that's just, that's where it's at. As far as I'm concerned, I'm always thinking of every little last detail. Like if you're taking something apart, like right down to the light bulb, let's save that light bulb. Let's do what we can because everything can be reused. I love it. When you're in a new space, so whether you're renting or buying, if you are going to jump into a design overhaul or a big renovation, you talked a little bit about getting to know that space one to three months before you really dive in. How do you even start to tackle something like that? I'm doing it right now in a secondary apartment that I've rented and the place is not been touched in probably 12 or 13 years. And we're living in a over hundred year old building and it's absolutely needed the TLC of giving it a fresh coat of paint from top to bottom. Ceilings, floors, walls, covering holes. I'm tiling over top of tile in the old bathroom. There's a lot of things that depending on the age of the building you can tackle, depending on how much money you want to spend, it really just turns into rebuilding and revitalizing the carcass. So the overall surrounding walls of anything that you're going to be living in is the first place to start. So think of your floors, if you want to replace them, if you want to sand them and repaint them, if you have to replace tiling. All that stuff to me is the stuff you want to be dealing with before you move any furniture in because it's such a pain to try to move your furniture around that type of a renovation. Same with painting. Light fixtures nowadays are so accessible and easy to find. Just a simple replacement light fixture can really change the game. So is a really handy dandy cleanup. That's one thing that I preach the power of, which is just taking a little bit of elbow grease and polishing up those windows and breathing new life into a space by just cleaning it properly. The second level of that instruction will always take me to appliances just to make sure that you're thinking of things that, you know, the baseline everyday functionality, washer dryer, your dishwashers, your commonplace appliances, all that stuff's really important to focus your budget on because you don't want to be thinking about that once you start living. And once you've thought of the most important things, of course, you're if you're not renting and you're owning, you want to think about your foundation and your roof. But then from there, we can have some fun with storage, um, retrofitting storage, building out your own storage. That is essential to a beautiful, harmonious home. So think about what you've got. Think about what you can purge. Think about where it goes. And with everything that you own, assign a home to those things so that you always know where they go. So no matter what's happening, what holiday it is, whomever's coming over, these places are assigned for those things. And once all of that is sorted, 
Then we put the delicious accessories on the incredible outfit that is your home, which is let's focus on the adding now color with paint and wallpaper and painting our ceilings fun colors and putting in interesting lighting and cool pillows and rugs and art and books and plants. That's the fun part of design. But that's the part to me that is the frosting on a very well-built considered cake. So if you think of the home as a multi-layered cake, you want to start with the most important things and build out. People that are a stylist are only focused on accessories and the way things that are around you look. But a true designer is looking at where things go, how to maximize those four walls in every room, and how to make it work for whomever's living there. That's amazing advice. I went through a home edit. I will tell you, having a zone for things and knowing where things go, at first it feels really overwhelming. It was actually a pretty overwhelming process because it gets bad before it gets better. But if you stick through it and you go through it on the other side, we actually have so much fun being like, oh, there's a zone for that thing. There's a zone for that thing. If you can buy into that, it is peaceful. You don't question where things are. We are renovating our house right now. When we went to put everything in storage, it was the easiest packing job of our lives because we'd already purged everything. And you also don't want to bring things back into your house once you've gotten rid of things. So that feeling of freedom of kind of going to a more minimalist lifestyle. I'm not a minimalist. There's people who are far more minimalistic than I am, but it was so freeing. And then to know that when we come back into our house, when it's ready, they'll have zones for those things as well too. And it really is. It seems like I think we used to get cornered as a type or so, you know, particular. It's just one thing you don't have to worry about anymore. Absolutely. And as you know, it's a headspace, you know, you have to gear yourself up to get into that headspace of really deep diving and looking at your stuff and saying, do I use this? Do I love this? Do I need this? And when they do not make any one of those things, do not make those three questions happen or come alive, they're gone. And that's been some work that I'm currently working on right now. My life is in pure chaos because I'm recently married and we're doing this mini reno next door and I'm trying to integrate my husband's stuff into a space that was formerly mine. And we're going through everything, my stuff, his stuff, kitchen stuff, everything. And we're amalgamating. And those are really powerful, fun things to do because you're mixing up your stuff, but you're only keeping the things you know you're going to use. But the other side of all that editing comes the freedom. And I think it's really, really hard to do. But once you've done it, you become very mindful now seasonally. When things come into the house, you get gifted something, somebody gives you a new whatever you start to become very aware of acquiring. And that's one thing that I'm always doing is cycling things. If I know I'm not going to wear it, if I know it could go somewhere, I'll give it to a friend. I'll donate it, whatever it is, because there's only so many things one person could have that really bring them joy. Let's get honest. For real. And also opening a cupboard and seeing organization and clean is so good for your brain. Also your wallet when you're not constantly just, oh, that's a cute mug on a shelf at winners. You don't probably need that mug. Admire it for what it is on the shelf and maybe walk away from it unless it really is going to bring you joy. I don't find myself grabbing at the, oh, that's on sale. I'll just get it because it's cute. I really think about if that thing actually has a home and more often than not, I go, actually, I'm going to pass this time. So I've been a bit better about impulsive buying since I've edited my house. Yeah. And you also realize how much space you have. And I think that that's essential. It becomes less about the thing you're buying and more about, do I actually have a place for this? 
Yeah, absolutely. If you're living in a small space or if you're living in a big city or if you're in a small condo, that's as far as a designer is concerned, that's one of the main things that someone like myself has to really get honest with their client about is how much do you want to spend in properly storing all the stuff that you have? And to spend on organization is a great, great way to spend, but it's very costly. And you ask yourself, what's more important, the stuff or the costly built-in? And you start thinking, do I want to spend this money on a built-in to house the stuff or do I want to go on that really cool trip? These are the things that go through my head. Um, And not to say that design isn't important and not to say that I don't have clutter in my house and not to say that I don't have little things that I love, but it creates a mindfulness around the, the collecting, which is really, it's a, it's a practice. And that's just like going through and editing your home. It's a headspace and you have to gear up. My husband does not like going through his stuff. He doesn't organize like I do. It doesn't bother him the way it bothers me. So, uh, you know, you kind of have to do a little bit of a push and pull. He lets me be the crazy organizer that I am. And I appreciate that he's so relaxed about me being this way. Hey, the yin and the yang, it's the best. Ever wonder what sets Atlantic Credit Unions apart from the big banks? Well, they do banking a little differently. They have all the products and services a big bank does, and sure, they have fees, but they invest their profits back into their communities, which in turn benefits their members and their families. When you're decorating your home, what is something you think you should splurge on? First thing that comes to my mind is always wallpaper because buying wallpaper is one thing and how much you need of it, depending on what space you're putting it in. And the repeat of the paper is one beast. And then the final beast of it is proper installation. And that in and of itself, those three steps of the wallpaper game are not inexpensive. Right. And I always recommend if you're spending any money on a beautiful paper, you want to have a proper installation of that paper because you want to make sure that you're paying off that vision properly. All your corners are met. All the repeats are perfect. Um, The second thing I think about is something that you can always take with you no matter where you go. So that is always art, incredible lighting, things that are beautiful that you've supported an artist or a creative person. And that energy is in your home and you've put money in the genes of a creative person doing something that they love, but you also have one of a kind things that you surround yourself with that when people come over to your space, they feel like it's assembled over time and it's been curated and curated with things that really are expressive, indicative of who you are. And that's what a space and a home should be. Absolutely. Could not agree more. What would you absolutely tell people they must skimp on when they're decorating their home? I'm not going to name any one thing, but I will use the word sweat equity. When you have foregone paying somebody to do something, to try to do it yourself, have it be sanding your floors, painting your walls, painting your kitchen cupboards, refinishing your tub, things that you can get on the Googles and figure out how to do and empower yourself uh, with items that are easily found in a big box hardware store. Those are things that I think are a great way to uh, save money when you're working on a space. Because so often what we're paying for, this also depends on your time. You're always running. I run into this all the time, which is I don't have time. So I have to hire in to get the jobs done that I need to. Am I capable of these jobs? The answer is yes. Do I have time for those jobs? The answer is no. But if you have the time and you want to save the money, 
that's the best way to do it is empower yourself, your own two hands and learn a new skill and do it yourself. You know, I agree with you on this because I have found, and we've had this conversation before that when I picked up a drill for the first time, I built myself a dining room table. My whole entire life changed. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. If I can do that, I must be able to do this. I might be able to try and cut wood. Like, I don't have a brain for math. So cutting angles with a saw was a real treat for me. But I finally figured it out. And I was like, well, I can do that now too. Don't ask me to do complicated angles, but I can do the ones I need to do to make a triangle shelf. So I've now built beautiful shelves for my friends when they've had babies. I've built beautiful shelves for my home. I built a dining room table, coffee tables. People don't understand, especially when you sit and work at a computer all day, or you're running around doing things and you're constantly busy and your brain's all over. When you are working on something in your home, it is a single focus of the thing you are doing. And so I would argue, I don't have a lot of extra time either, but if you make the time to do something like this, the payoff is so rewarding. And I will argue, it's not just that you get empowered about working on your home. I changed my perspective on, oh, I can go and lift that thing I didn't think I could. Oh, I can go and try and do that new thing. I learned how to drive a stick a couple weeks ago because I was like, you know, at the time I didn't know how to use a drill. I figured that out. I don't know how to drive a standard car and I need to learn. I could probably do that. And I did. So it kind of unlocked this like, superpower within me to go, I can try that. I can try that. And now I want to do everything myself. It's all conditioning. Everything that we're talking about here is conditioning. Conditioning to be told what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to design or decorate, and the list goes on. And if we take all the conditioning away and we turn off our televisions and we get off of our phones and we try something new, buy some materials you would never have bought, get on Amazon and get yourself a drill. I'm buying a pink drill. I've decided I need a pink drill. Yes, you do. Not only do I love it because I love doing it myself, but early days before I took my hands-on skills to the home, I've always found great solace in painting and being creative. And it is an amazing escape from the everyday life. And it is, you know, studies have shown when you activate two hands at the same time simultaneously, you're activating both sides of your brain, which does make you feel calm. And those are things that, especially on a weekend when you would have otherwise been, you know, binge watching some show, you could be building something and inspiring. Also, like I'm sure your friends are so inspired by you and so inspired by what you've built. And that just perpetuates. And that's what we need more of in the world. We need more of that. Absolutely. I don't even know what we were talking about, but I think we got to a really beautiful end. I think so too. And the thing is, rent tools, ask your neighbor to borrow a tool. You don't have to have everything to try. And I think that's a really important thing as well, is that you don't need to have everything at your fingertips. You can try. If there's something that you find you're going to use all the time. I upgraded my Craig jig recently because I found I was using it and I wanted something a bit more robust. So I invested in a better one than the one I had when I first built my table, not to mention when I built my table, it cost me under $150. And that same table I wanted to buy in a store was a couple grand. These are all things though, that once you get started, it becomes a rabbit hole of a whole other world that you begin to just blow up with excitement because the sky is the limit and you are now the creator of the space, this destiny, these things versus just being stuck with what's available in retail stores. And you talking about your table. Do you know that there are people 
that are listening to this podcast right now and they're like, what is she talking about? I'm building my table and upgrading my jig. Like that sounds like Latin to some people, but for geeks like us, it's because you've taken that time to go to the big box stores and rent those tools and say, Hey, you know what? I've been renting this tool quite a bit. I think I actually need it. And the rental of the tool vibe is just the beginning. And once you start doing that, you start realizing that the world is your oyster. You just have to decide what you want your oyster to look like. Absolutely. And don't be scared. I went through so many mistakes the first time I tried to do this. And I think you just need to forgive yourself. It doesn't need to be perfect right out of the gate. Um, You can learn, you can fix things, you can try things again. I had no idea what I was doing. And I documented the whole process. I think I went to Home Depot 17 times and they were like, are you here again? I'm like, yep. Don't have a table yet, but I'm going to have one eventually. And when it was done, I actually went back and showed them a picture because I was so proud of myself and they were in it with me at this point. I was like, these are people are rooting for me. And I got to share it at the end and they were so pumped for me. It was great. It was a great moment we all had together. So don't be scared. We all need to try new things more often. And it's such a rewarding thing that you're doing for yourself. Well, you said something in there too, that I think it's a really important thing to touch on. And I was actually just talking to my mom about this, but I have always subscribed to the Japanese philosophy of wabi-sabi, which is, you know, perfectly imperfect. Mm. And things don't have to be perfect. Your home doesn't have to be exact. Those nothing has to be perfect to be beautiful. It just has to be done the way you want it to be done and you move on because sometimes we could just die on the vine trying to keep things so perfect that we don't get the full picture complete. And sometimes you have to concede and be okay with that thing that's a little bit off just to keep the project propelling forward. And sometimes those mistakes or those imperfections are the thing that end up being the most beautiful thing in the room. So for anyone out there that's working on big, large-scale projects, allow yourself to accept the imperfections. In my case, I always say with my set builder friends, we're going to feature the flaw, you know? I love it. Feature the flaw. I love that. Taking a pivot back into renovations for a second. I'm obsessed with watching any show that has to do with overhauling anything. Everyone's got fancy apps and how to show to how to place things. And we're talking about the actual placement of furniture and things. Do you have any tricks up your sleeve for people who have no idea how to set up a space? I've only ever come at design using my guts. And on top of using my guts, your greatest tool in any space is just a good old-fashioned measuring tape. And if you arm yourself with a beautiful, high-quality, long-distance, heavy-gauge measuring tape, anything is possible because we're dealing with shapes, we're dealing with straight lines, we're dealing with numbers. And when you get those shapes and your square lines together, truly you can assemble anything. And I don't want to say that I don't agree with any of the apps, but so often, uh, especially anyone that's listening, I would really want you to empower yourself to trust your guts because nothing is like the real thing. You can take as many measurements as you want and you can plunk those measurements into as many blueprints or apps as you want. But when you actually put a piece of furniture in a space and you start building from that large piece out, 
you will probably do different things in that space than you would have done in person than you would have done on that app because you may find you have more or less space than you thought. There are so many configurations that you can do in apps that in real life you can't. And usually it comes down to flow. If you've done any uh, teachings in feng shui, there are definite conversations around edges and corners and placement of furniture, walking into furniture. That's a space energetic no. So you have to feel a room. Feel how you want the room to move for you. And that's where the furniture goes. Build out from your larger pieces and then assemble in with the smaller pieces. Fall in love with the big stuff first and then build out. Or if you have essentials, measure out your essentials, place those in the spot that works the best and work backwards from that. But everything starts with the most important piece and really good tight measuring with your good old-fashioned measuring tape. My husband's going to be so thrilled about this news because I joke that he is never more than two feet away from a measuring tape at all times, and I catch him measuring everything all the time, and I make fun of him. That will stop now because it's so true. I've tried even drawing things out. You have to get into the space. You have to feel the space. You have to go. We had this happen in our house when we first moved in. We have a really narrow home, and the only configuration that logically made sense was to put the couch on one wall, the TV on the other. When you sat that way, the room felt tiny. Mm -hmm. So we had to get creative. We put the couch where we wanted it and we figured out a solution for the TV. We got the TV installed in a swivel, popped it out when we watched TV, put it back on the wall and we didn't need it anymore. And for us, that was a really important room to have feel really open and open up to the rest of the house. So finding a hack was what we did instead. You're preaching my gospel, which is... So important to feel a space. So important to put things where you intuitively want to put things. This goes back to rule following and programming. We think this is the logical place to put this big piece of furniture. But it's amazing the possibilities inside of a room when you actually do it differently. And I think that it's so, so, so exciting to hear you say, we pivot the television, we put it back. Because the world actually seems to build a room around a television quite a bit. So if you take that television out of the equation, what are you going to do instead? And that's a really great question to ask yourself, but please don't get mad at your husband because I have two measuring tapes in my purse right now. <laughs> I'm like a measuring tape. I feel like I'm, I'm a squirrel and I'm always squirreling them into my purse just in case. So I'm yeah. going to go buy him a better one just to make up for all of the times I've made fun of his measuring tape addiction. It's really, really important. Also, I think it's important to just ask people where they find people who've helped the hacks. The guy who hung our TV in an unusual place in an unusual way came as a reco from someone. And when he showed up, he's like, yeah, anything is possible. But I never thought to call someone for that sort of service because we can hang a TV physically. We just didn't know how to hang a TV in the way we needed it to. So I think sometimes you do need to hire in and get someone to help you solve that problem if it's going to let the room be the way that it wants to be. And I'll tell you, I never regretted doing that. We ended up doing it in another room as well, too, because we love watching TV in our house. So for us, it's super important to have TVs in certain places, but it's also really important to have a space that we really love. So I'm really glad that you approve of that methodology. It makes me feel wonderful. I, I love it. And not only do I love it, but it's so, so, so imperative that you feel happy in your home. The placement, like right now, just hearing you talk, you're happy in your home. And that's what it should be, a happy home. 
Absolutely. And I think it all comes back to you have things that you love. You've invested in them already. Find the home for them first because it has emotional and financial repercussions when you get rid of those things. Why spend on a different size couch if there is a different solution to the couch you already have? Why spend on that? You could spend a fraction of the money on a great swivel for your TV instead of a couple of thousand dollars for a couch. So I think that baseline of do I need it? Do I need to spend on that? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Just thinking about those things to me is really, really important because I hate getting rid of things that I love that I've spent good money on. Well, I just, one of my clients recently, they're redoing their basement. They're putting a guest room in the basement. And when I showed up for the first walkthrough of the space, they had a junk pile. And in the junk pile was a beautiful very old, ornate, beautiful bed frame with a footboard, matching dresser, and they'd had it for so long. It was passed down. They were sick of it. And it was in the junk pile. And I walked past it. We had the conversation. And at the end of our talk, and I was like, and why are we getting rid of the beautiful furniture at the front of the house? And we've had the whole set sprayed out in this beautiful bluey black color. And it is truly breathing life into the room. And it's this incredible, happy set that just blows your mind. And this was going to be in their trash pile. So wow! spray something a new color, you put it in a new place, someone else sees value in what you have. And that's the part that I always think is fascinating. When you put something up on Kijiji or whatever, and immediately that stuff gets scooped. Does that not make you think somebody else sees that this has value. And you don't want them to know if I'm on the buying end, I'm like, I'm not telling you how great this is because I want it now. You feel like that. And so really, I love the idea of, I, I think this way for fashion, shop your closet, shop your home, walk around and make sure, shop your parents' home, find the things that are already there. Like, this is why I love talking to you is because I really think I am someone who is not a professional in this field. The advice that you give is for people like me who just want to live a beautiful life and don't want to shell over a ton of money, don't want to create a lot of waste and want happy memories with things that we love. And that's why I love speaking to you because it's accessible. You are not giving advice to people that is beyond their means. It's actually quite the opposite. It's about living within your means with things that you really love. Well, if you were to circle back to your first question, which is what is my motto? That's my motto. I think everyone deserves to live a beautiful, happy life. And the way we get there can be simple and the methodology that you take and your style is all your own, but empower yourself, use your two hands and try to have a little fun along the way. Well, I can't imagine a better way to end this conversation. I have goosebumps. Thank you so much. What a pleasure talking to you. I can't wait to go tackle my next DIY project. I will tell you what it is as soon as it's finished. <laughs> I want pics text me up. You know, we're texties now. So yep. I want you to send me all those process picks because that to me is like way more, that gets me way more hot and bothered than anything else on this planet. Um, <laughs> I love it. You will be getting process picks. Don't you worry. <laughs> and thank you so deeply for being such a support and for having me on and thinking of me to put me on this podcast. It's a true pleasure to see you and talk to you and have you in my life. And I hope that anyone out there listening just knows how lucky they are that they found this beautiful podcast of yours. Thank you. That means the world to me. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Such a pleasure. And I'm sure we'll be chatting again very soon. Sylvia, until then, keep building and being beautiful. You too, Tiffany. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye. Jonathan, we've got one thing in common. One thing. What is it? 
We love a good home reno project. I sure do. And I know you do too, but I think we also know that jumping into a home reno, we know this from experience, isn't something you should take lightly. It sure isn't. I am living proof that doing your homework before you pick up a hammer is so very important. That's why today's Give Me Credit tip of the day is to check out our show notes or go to honestmoney.ca for Atlantic Credit Union's tips on picking the right contractor.